0: Welcome to the We Are Here podcast, a podcast all about entrepreneurship on the South Coast, collecting stories and lessons from entrepreneurs and community leaders to learn firsthand how they've built their business or organization so we can build our own. The South Coast is a small place, and we're letting the business world know that we are here. Show your support by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the We Are Here podcast, and join the newsletter for all of our latest announcements and upcoming episodes at southcoast.fm slash subscribe. That's southcoast.fm slash subscribe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the We Are Here podcast. Really excited to announce today's guest. It's Dina Hayden from The Co-Creative. And in our conversation today, we're talking about the crossroads of entrepreneurship and art and creativity and how an entrepreneur is almost like an artist. And I was generally excited to just sit down with my friend Dina and talk about uh, all the stuff that she's been through in art and in the local community and, of course, building businesses. And I really hope you enjoy the lessons that she shares with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast over at southcoast.fm slash subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching just South Coast or the We Are Here podcast. You can find us there. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Helps us get found. And this show is brought to you by Slocum Studio. If you're looking for web services, marketing advice, and anything online and digital, you can check out slocumstudio.com. All right, without further ado, let's get into the episode.
1: I'm Dina Hayden. I wear a lot of different hats, but um, I'm a professional artist myself, and I've um, been a part of a lot of different art organizations in Boston and in New Bedford, um, but here I'm the program. I'm the program director of the Co-Creative Center, so um, that's my role here. So I kind of came on board a year ago to get it up and running and establish uh, the first year and the structure for the Co-Creative Center.
0: What is the Co-Creative? <laughs>
1: The Co-Creative Center is a shared workspace for artists and designers. Um, So it's a platform for creatives to come in to work. Um, They can also teach classes, use the workshop, and exhibit their artwork in the gallery. So we try to um, foster a support for creative entrepreneurs in the city of New Bedford.
0: I'm just like super interested to pick your brain and, like, creativity and business all at the same time. Like, before I met you, I was like, I am not an artist. <laughs> like, I, I will never call myself an artist.
1: Yes, I remember uh, you saying
0: that. But, I, but it's, it's really because I felt like, you know, you couldn't say that, right? You know, in, in the world that I live in, people say, how about I'm a web developer, I'm a web designer. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I know yeah. what you do. And I, that's my own like negativity coming through like my own like you haven't gone through the paces that I've gone through to become this level and I feel like maybe artists have that same thing but it's like that maybe in like every like if you how do I unclog uh, my sink and I'm like I'm a plumber now and plumbers are like no you're not right right (laughs) right right well I mean is is that something that is just like is that is that something that you you see creativity in everybody or is it just a lesson you've learned over time that, you know what, I, I do accept creativity from virtually anybody?
1: Well, personally, personally I, I think there is a lot, a lot of people have very different opinions on that. Um, going through art school, there definitely is like a camp that is strictly, you have to do this number of years of training and and show your work in X, Y, and Z galleries to be considered an artist, but personally i oh I think that everyone is creative and not necessarily an artist, but um creative in their own way with the work that they do so um that's why a lot of people ask me here uh, if they can join if they're not quote unquote an artist and so but I just end up having a conversation with them about well it's it's for someone that considers himself creative or uh, the work that they do in that a creative realm. So, um, you know, and there's a lot of people that work here that are working on their companies. On Being an entrepreneur is very creative. You have to be creative. It's about problem solving. So, um, and then a lot of people have side hobbies where they're welding, woodworking or whatnot. So they have these like creative uh, lifestyles that they don't consider themselves quote unquote artist so um, I find that interesting and I think that once we accept that we are all creative in some way we, we kind of have to be if we're problem-solving that it's just easier to kind of connect and take away those barriers to calling ourselves an artist or to move through certain problem-solving issues or being an entrepreneur I think you're constantly problem-solving and you have
0: yeah, because most entrepreneurs are starting out with nothing, like no money. Right, right. right, <laughs> and, right know, exactly. They're actually, they have a full time right. job and whatever. They have kids and they're like, I, I have a great idea. I need to get this out. You have to be creative right. in order to, you know, break through the noise yeah. and reach a customer or convince somebody that this idea is great and, and it's not going to be, you can't do it in a boring fashion. Right? Right, you, can, right, you can just right, be right. the same old song and dance all over again.
1: Yeah. No, exactly. It's So it's the same way, personally, I found business and, and being an entrepreneur almost after the fact of being an artist, which I think is maybe not as, um, is a little more rare. Like I feel like a lot of business people or entrepreneurs then tap into their creative flow and can call it creativity mm-hmm. after they've started a business and, and kind of can like see that um but for me i just went it's the same process as creating a piece of art it's connecting to an idea that you have that's not tangi- or not tangible that's not here presently and then bringing it how do you make that a real thing in this world so it's the same process
0: is the phrase starving artist offensive that- <laughs> <laughs> i'm just curious
1: yeah i think I don't find the, the word or the phrase starving artist offensive at all because, I mean, I think as an artist, the most difficult thing is that uh, in contrast to starting a business or even like a design business, it, your first and foremost uh, connection to creating art is not usually about making money. So this is like where the issue is. So you're trying to... Uh, connect to something within you that is creative and uh, connects you to being a human being or or connects you to being a human in this world. And it's very abstract. I mean, these things, it's hard to quote-unquote sell. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it's a huge challenge for artists to make money and to persevere through uh, a lot of years. It usually takes a lot of years to, like, create your body of work and then have a certain style and um, make connections, network, sell in certain galleries online and get a following. It's just like a long process yeah. and it's it's very easy to get uh, sidetracked or want to get an actual job that you're getting paid a certain amount of money that um, when you want to have a family or sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's a, it's a real issue, but I think that the, like the co-creative center, it brings people together to talk about on a daily basis, like some struggles or how do you do it? And kind of just like plugging in, creating that network so that like what we can empower one another to learn certain techniques of how to sell your work in different avenues. Cause everyone, like personally, I don't sell my work, online. I could open a shop um, on my website or an Etsy or sell on Instagram, which I know a lot of artists do. They sell right off Instagram and that's, they make a pretty good living that way. Um, but my own personal work has taken like a different path and I get more commission work. So it's, uh, they see people like see an installation or sculpture and they want to have that in their um, yard or in a,
0: Ex- explain that for, for people like me who have no idea. I mean, I know what that means, but for people who might be listening who have like no idea how that works, somebody comes to you and they've commissioned you or, or have requested you to say, hey, look, l- saw your, I saw some of your pieces. I want you to do something like that. But I don't know. Do they tell you like what color it, they want it in? Or do, are you free to, to build off of what are you? I mean,
1: it depends on uh, your customer, or who you're speaking with. Um, and you can always turn it down. So, I mean, I've had... Certain like certain customers come to me and ask for a very specific piece and that for me personally would be so like the worst experience ever to create that. <laughs> so I turn it down and I, I I know that I value my how I feel as an artist and like what I want to put out into the world. So you kinda of have to weigh all that out. But um usually, yeah, you'll get a request and you'll meet with the customers see what they're looking for usually um when someone is a supporter of your artwork they have a trust in you um and can um kind of trust your own process so they'll say this is a site that I am looking for an outdoor sculpture um and then uh, and then you kind of come back to them with a drawing of what you're thinking about and then it's like a process and then you keep working with them or not and um you so this, there's a lot of artistic freedom usually within it and i i find it that's exciting um you can usually make a pretty good chunk of money as an artist that way and then your work's out in the world and and you're paid and it's kind of like its own process in itself its sites
0: yeah and generally you would imagine that most people so just drawing threads between like you know maybe somebody who's who's starting a business now and they're they're actually building a product and they're out there trying to sell it or they're like, you know, maybe somebody like me, it's in the digital space and they're like, a, a, a let's say, a graphic designer. They, they might be designing websites. I'd imagine that the folks that are, and I could be wrong, but the folks that might be commissioning you to build or to create art for them, they they probably have the means to pay you. So it's not like, it's not like you start getting into a discussion of like, could you knock off a hundred bucks? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. You're probably not running into that. Like maybe yeah, some no. of us out there.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and that's when um, you get those discussions when you're selling a piece of art. Like I've definitely had work at, in, a, in a show or in my studio that someone has offered a price and they try to bring you down and it, there's definitely a negotiation with art. Um, especially in galleries, like a gallery owner can uh, negotiate 10 to 20% lower than your price. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in the contract usually with a gallery, um, if you will allow the gallery to negotiate or not. Oh. So that's something to look for. If you're not interested in that, make sure it has that in your contract with the sure. gallery. Sure. Um, and then at art fairs, uh, definitely negotiation is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um but usually, if someone is commissioning you for a piece, you have you give them a number that works for you, and it's usually just we kind of take it from there.
0: it It sounds like everything is still like the same in almost any business. And if you set expectation or if you like set your brand, people kind of understand like, okay, Dina doesn't negotiate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know this it's going, going on, in, so I'm not even going to ask. Yeah,
1: there's different... Right, so each... I, I but see, it takes time in order to... Right, it takes time, and you have to build your, uh, I guess, reputation. And um, I don't know. I mean, the art world's a very, really weird place for pricing your work. I mean, there's so many things that come into play with that that's not really as direct as, like... As running a, other businesses, uh, pricing depends on a lot of different things. Yeah. How much you've sold your work for before, where you're showing your work, if someone's representing you. Right. Um, some galleries won't let you go below a certain price right. to sell your work. I've had a lot of galleries make my work higher. Hmm. So it's there's a lot of different yeah. variables. Is but, there like
0: a two minute history lesson in why the new Bedford specifically has become like this epicenter of art.
1: The Swain School of Art and Design. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I, I think that the Swain School of Art and Design has a huge, has had a huge impact on the area for bringing artists here. So, um, historically that was connected to P-Town, the painters in P-Town and then that, existed here in New Bedford that brought a certain group of artists that were really well established and highly regarded in throughout the country. Um, and then uh, from there, the students from Swain School of Art and Design kind of stuck around this area and also moved, when it merged with UMass Dartmouth became teachers at UMass Dartmouth or uh, became students at UMass. Dartmouth. So it's like cultivated this um, kind of like Area for artists to work and live, but it's also cheaper to live in New Bedford than most cities. in mean, Providence might be—I think it's a little more expensive, but um, it's a really great place to work uh, and afford your li- like afford to live here, have a studio, make art, and have a job, and actually have the time to make work.
0: I would say that you've pioneered co-working in. The South Coast, right I, I say that you have pioneered that idea and you continue that uh, here at the co-creative. What is it about working together and and not just you know not just going to work and showing up at a nine to five job
1: Just at, for economic reasons, I think that a lot of businesses they don't want to pay the overhead to have an a, an office and and have their employees work remotely mm-hmm. um, and then th- this the day and age, there are so many people that are working for themselves, starting their own businesses, working as contractors. Um, it's very difficult to get a full time job at a company. So a lot of people start to piecemeal their own work and then create their own little business. So, um, and there's a lot of freedom within that. I, I think with the development of technology, like we were talking earlier, how, where you work now, I was yep. like, how do you guys all connect? Yeah. And <laughs> there's so many platforms yeah. and it works. Yeah. And it's just like this next evolution of work and how we function as a community, as a city. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a lot of pros and cons. Um, when you are working at home in isolation, it can be great you can kind of feel like you're plugging away getting so much done no one's interrupting you and then all of a sudden you realize that you haven't spoken to someone in like 48 hours and then you start to feel depressed and then you start to lack self-confidence and then you question why you're doing what you're doing i mean there's this whole downward cycle to being in isolation which is totally not natural and i always tell people that uh like a lot of people will just come in and and ask like how does it how does it work how do I how do I work here with other people working next to me you know what I mean like <laughs> right. I, it's I, even I,
0: foreign to the people who are like exploring the idea yeah, yeah
1: yeah and um I mean I felt that way too when I first started using co working spaces yeah. I was like I don't know I like to be in quiet spaces and um but how I kind of explain it to people is everyone is so different so some people use shared workspaces. They come in every day. They, they thrive off working around other people. It helps them keep a structure to their day and keep grinding um, and then be able to like have lunch or plug and say hi uh, to other people. And then there are a lot of other members that they schedule it like once a week. They want to come in and um, whatever, paint watercolors on Tuesdays. Because it, it gives them a break from other things that they're doing and they can be around people. So it's just I think it is a different combination for everyone, like how much they want to work in isolation and then be around other people. But it also allows there's like a freedom in working in shared workspaces that you're not working with your coworkers. Right. If you were working for a company, right? right? right so right. like you're not competing with one another. You're yeah. It's a different sense. It's a natural sense of community.
0: Yeah, I see. So
1: yeah. it's like having a little family, like a work family. You you can put your earbuds in and work away, or you could go for a walk with someone. Yeah. And it's not, no one's going to be standing next to you saying, like, that sucks. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you need to work harder. Don't bring that idea yeah, into the yeah. boardroom. Yeah, yeah. And you're not working with your boss you, right. typically. Right. I mean, there's so many things that come into play. Mental health is number one yeah for sure yeah it's like night and day
0: i would agree i mean i I could not see myself with so many friends that that do make the commute to like boston yeah never no like you would have you'd have to pay me tom brady money (laughs) to like get in a car and i would even still consider like have to consider it yeah like get in the car every day and hope that your total round trip is four hours i know no i know it's insane
1: of every day yeah and and it's I I did that when I lived down here for two or three years, and I did I was so unhappy.
0: I remember touring this building. We were talking about before we hit record years ago uh, with a fellow that was 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 trying to create a co working space, and I remember just the con- like I knew what it was like being in the tech scene and just like knowing that co working stuff quote air quotes uh, existed out in like big metropolitan like areas. And I was, you know, he kind of knew it. And we would talk to other people about it and they went, co-working? How does that even, like, what? (laughs) Yeah, no, it it was
1: like a foreign concept when um, Sarah and I first started talking about groundwork. A huge part of the work that we focused on was education. What is co-working? Because it, it really wasn't in this area at all. Like when we, well, in certain ways. And I think that, there are a lot of organizations and places that have co-working, but people don't realize they're co-working.
0: Right, right.
1: right. <laughs> so even like a cafe, the Green Bean, right, that's co. Cowork- I mean, people are working, definitely working there around other people, and that's why they go there. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just like bringing awareness to what co-working is, what working with other people looks like and how it operates and functions and, and use it, trying it out experimenting with it.
0: So what, what's the particular challenges today? Is it just like getting more artists and creative into this space? Is it still getting out the message? Is it competing with Green Bean down the street where somebody's? Um,
1: I think that how I see it is that we kind of reinforce, all of the different shared workspaces or cafes reinforce and help raise the awareness together Mm -hmm. i don't think it's competitive at all um it's a wave that's coming if it's it's already here but uh the more people that move to the city um and even just in general know that the these shared workspaces are out there for them Mm -hmm. that It's there, we're not going to have enough spaces for it. I was just about to say,
0: yeah, you get to a point, like even touring this place so far, it looks like, wow, we're already, we might already be at
1: capacity. I mean,
0: I'm not speaking for you, I'm just looking.
1: We're, yeah, we're, I mean, we are nine months in and we probably will be at capacity this year. Yeah. And, and it's a, like a pretty thriving community where I don't see many people, you know, like some people wax and wane, but, uh, there's a definite need for more spaces like this, so that um, it just reinforces that movement. Yeah. Um, like in a lot of other cities, in Providence, even uh, Boston. I just was down in Philly. There are co-working spaces everywhere. Right. Um, and it's kind of like a coffee shop. Like <laughs> they could be on every corner. Right. And they right. can have their own theme or. Uh, identification or frames of support right so like here we're we focus on the creative enterprise so it's um, and I think that's great and it's unique so that it can kind of gather people in certain areas in different industries um, in Boston there's a lot of examples like that uh, Greentown Labs they focus on sustainable uh, industries and businesses Artist Asylum is similar to Co-Creative, but it's more of like a hardcore maker space. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a lot of m- uh, music recording co-working spaces so that it supports musicians. Um, I mean, you can go on and on and on. So. New Bedford,
0: you know, specifically and you know, again, talking to... Uh, Jeremiah talking to Shelley, Sarah, and and boutique fitness. In fact, now that I go through my rolodex of people that I've had on the show, it's pretty much everyone so far. Anyway, in New Bedford, it's it's just the specific uh, support structure that's Mm -hmm. here, right? Not not I'm not talking maybe government or political or anything like that. Maybe there is, but I'm just talking from like downtown, you know, New New Bedford business owners like coming Mm -hmm. together Uh, yeah this facility owned by whale which is the waterfront historic area league um and that and the and for the folks who don't know the the catch phrase is revitalizing new bedford through historic preservation um there's a lot of places or organizations that folks you know can turn to when they are i guess looking to start a business for sure um i mean if you were starting up a business in new bedford or the south coast today i mean do you have like a place you would say you know what you really want to talk to these people first like you you might want to start here is there anything like that that you know of
1: yes i would and i always point people to the new bedford economic development council they are amazing and they support businesses coming into New Bedford, they'll plug you right into um, the community, listen to what your needs are, um, and point you in directions uh, that you might need. So if you need to develop a business plan or um, a cash flow model or just develop your idea a little bit more or go out to see sites that you're interested in renting, they're definitely the first. I always recommend that as your first stop they're connected with the city of new bedford um they're actually a non-profit underneath the city of new bedford so they work really closely with the mayor sure So they know about the development happening in the city and can really foresee where your business might fit
0: yeah i mean is it the is it the people that make up the organization not to put you on the spot but i'm always curious on like how because there are other towns and cities that they have initiatives like this, but they're right. just nowhere near as effective. Uh, and and, yeah. and and I hear this come up in my conversations over and over okay. again.
1: Um, I definitely. Well, there are many like New Bedford heroes. Mm-hmm. I could name them a list of people that were hugely uh, made a big impact on what I've been able to do in this city, mm-hmm. and. It, i i really do owe it to them but i do think that the nature of the city is collaborative yeah. so i think that's like the overall um message that i guess i would like to get across that this city works very collaboratively which helps everyone out yeah. so um uh, and i think that a lot of other cities are looking at new bedford now to, and seeing that how collaborative we are as a city and trying to model after us. So I've, I've I've talked to a lot of different cities where I work a lot with E4All. Um, so I've talked to different uh, like um, E4All locations in Holyoke, um, but other organizations that are trying to start co-working spaces all throughout Massachusetts. And they are dying to know like the secret sauce. How did you do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know? and it literally, it's not, it's not, just one person is not one business it's that we all really support one another and plug one another into uh, help each other grow and help the city grow as a collective in, in, within the South coast.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's, that's something that I feel like gets lost, especially in, uh, like entrepreneurial entrepreneurial journeys or somebody who's just like starting a business, uh, Again, like if, if you leaned on technology that's out there, you know, like the site like meetup.com. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a plumber and you just want to, you know, you're like, I can't find any customers. Or, I'm not finding the right customers. You could literally start your own meetup. Yeah. About whatever it is. <laughs> right? I mean, You could, you don't want to fix syncs anymore. Start a fix sync meetup. Yeah. Right? yeah and yeah. just tell people, hey, you want to talk about it? Here's the best products. Here's <laughs> some of the cool things I saw at Home Depot, whatever you might want to try. And spend a fraction of your time just like teaching people about this stuff. If you don't want to take those customers, great. Teach them how to do it. Yeah. Be just a great person to, you know, support whatever or other plumbers, in right. fact. Um, and there's so many ways to create community that I think so many people just bypass because they feel like this is my idea. This is my right. business. Right. Exactly. Be about this exactly. Stuff. When in fact, it helps you 10 times more exactly. than not. You
1: know? And it, I think that is a shift. In uh, thinking, and um, I, and I'm, you are you practice it yourself. In the past ten years, there's been a significant shift uh, with that kind of collective, community-based thinking around industry. Right. And so, I just see that as a hu- that's a huge thing, right. and that will really start to shift smaller cities and uh, the growth within cities um, and its impact um even just across the the board um but yeah i just think that uh the more you can i think that it's it's like a another sense of like freedom within that so you're not limiting yourself to holding your gold tight you know like your your special formulas um and then letting it out and be being more open about it and helping to like cultivate a community around that has uh, you you get more returns anyway. Yeah.
0: So not all roads are golden. There are some challenges. What are what are one or two specific challenges that, you know, listeners out there want to start a business on the south coast, like some strategy points or some tactical points around solving those?
1: I think just being realistic I see it a lot uh working with other people, being realistic about your timeline mm. is huge and and understanding that uh things do not happen overnight sometimes they do, which right. is amazing. Yeah. but knowing that in with a plan that's like one to three years, right. it's gonna be a really grueling one to <laughs> three years, yeah. and it's not at all just like a a rainbow butterfly right. a couple of years. So it's yeah. like, um, I think before you start anything, um, really addressing like why you're doing it, yeah. having that commitment and so that it's like a lighthouse that you can keep coming back to and knowing that what you're doing is meaningful and go back to the why. Yeah. Um. Because, so, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, When you're out there shining and driving forward, um, there's some people that react to that in a way that's negative sometimes, or you just, you're, you experience some pushback or um, some, a lot of like negativity, I think, when you're paving your own path. Yeah. And the more you can be centered on the why of what you're doing and know your focus, the less you'll get wavered from that path from other people or certain situations coming in your your way so just kind of like having a relationship I think I think of it as like a relationship with your ideas or a relationship with your business yeah that you just have to have like that commitment right. to it
0: confidence how have you built that up over the years especially as an artist I mean I'm sure
1: yeah I mean I think I always tell people that people this that um, being an artist, <laughs> this might sound really negative, but is the best training for anything because yeah. literally you are rejected 95% of the time mm-hmm. from anything you apply to. Right. And from the starting point, that's what you're starting at.
0: Yeah.
1: And you can ask any artist that. It's like, yeah, that definitely going to happen. So. Uh, my one of my old professors used to say save every rejection letter yeah. in a in a in a drawer so that you can go back and remember that it's just this is how many rejections you have to get through to get that one right and so i think it's just you really just learn uh, i i guess like my own confidence comes from th- my own practice right. so I know that I'm confident in my practice in, in different ways, in my own art practice, and the community building practice that I've grown. I think starting I've started a lot of different organizations with different groups of people, and I can see like the patterns within, it, within that. Um, and then just getting feedback from yeah. your customers. like, And that helps a lot with confidence. And then seeing its impact within the society. Mm. And taking the time to reflect on that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just – and I don't know uh, – and, again, I don't – this isn't, like, a a hard number thing or anything. But I, – I de- well, definitely looking at numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that. Like, I do that, like, once a week. Yeah. Because you can, again, get lost in conversation with someone and they're like, well, you should be doing better or blah, blah, blah. Like, right. you know. And then always numbers are a great measurement to, to look at – to see your growth, mm. and even if it's like a ten dollar growth, it's fine. It's right. great. Your or uh, a different professional measurement. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, nothing is built like things are not built quickly. And right. I think when you're in it for the duration, you can easily lose sight of of growth. Right. But reflecting on that is
0: important. I'm glad, It's a perfect segue to sort of one of the the, the more final questions here. And it's generally talking about uh, a, a a pretty solid piece of marketing advice. If you have anything, anything that you've done, you know, through your career, um, you know, through working here where you said, you know what, I did this change to the website and it clicked. I, you know, I did yeah. something different and it worked. Do you have anything like that or?
1: Um, I guess in, it's, it might my- Change or be different for other cities or wherever your listeners are are located, but in the South Coast and in New Bedford, word of mouth yeah is huge. Yep, I think showing up to events and mm-hmm. uh, meeting people face to face and talking to them as a person
0: who to thunk it
1: <laughs> That's that literally is it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, and talking about what you do, it's connecting human to human. And I, uh, and I try to like encourage people here to do that too. And, um, you know, like even having your own customers selling your product is another huge one. So our members here meeting with other people, giving them tours of the space, loving it. That's like a dead, that's great. Amazing. So I think like personal connection.
0: Yeah especially in my like in the digital world. And I, I've fallen you know, guilty to this too, where it's just like, well, you could just run some Facebook ads and people will just magically buy from you. And it's like, no, no uh, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I mean, it does. But as soon as you shut off the dollars, the eyeballs stop. Yes. It's not building any brand equity. I mean, it could, it can. You just got to spend a ton of money. Um, and again, for small businesses, yeah, getting out to these events. Um, you know, so many people in... Like the web agency world, they're like, you know, they're five years into it. and They're like, oh, so sick of customers. right <laughs> I just want to sell. I just want to sell something online, and make money while I'm sleeping, right? Well, guess what? As soon as you start selling product online, it's the same difference, except you start selling more products faster. There's just more people that are going to. Right there, it's <laughs>
1: always right. Goes back to another human connection. Right. But the other thing that I've tried to do with sales or marketing is, um. Uh, listening, so being an active listener is huge. And that could be on the phone, online. It's listening to your customer and listening to what their needs are. Why are they in front of you today? Like, why are they reaching out to you? What are their needs? And it's just like fielding those questions, I think. And I, I see a lot of time that people kind of don't really listen to their customers and say like, well, we have A, B, and C, you right. choose. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, what are you, why are they here? And then asking them those questions. So like, so it's like a dialogue.
0: Yeah. You know, this has been great. I've always said to myself that if I had a spirit animal, and if you were an animal, <laughs> you would be my spirit animal. Uh, so right. I, appre- I appreciate oh, uh, thank the time you. Uh, that you spent, uh, spent with me today. Where can folks find you to connect with you to say thanks?
1: Um, you can go to our website. It's cocreativenb.org. Um, I also have my own personal art website. It's my name backwards, Hayden, HaydenDina.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at, at Dina Hayden.
0: Everybody go check out those links. Those links will also be on the website. It's southcoast.fm. It's the We Are Here podcast. You can subscribe to the newsletter and the podcast at southcoast.fm. Subscribe.